RPG lessons learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. Hi, I'm Dusty, and with me today, as always, is Brian. Hey, Dusty. And Mike. Howdy. And today, we're going to do a, a post-mortem, a, a lessons learned session on an entire campaign. So, if you're a long-time listener, you've frequently heard us refer to our Pathfinder Beginner Box campaign. And don't be confused, we still have more individual sessions that we'll talk about in the future. But today, it's it's what, guys, a couple of days after we finished up that the entire campaign? It's a week. A yep. week. Yeah. yeah, a week exactly. Yep. 17 sessions, uh, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but for us it was, it was quite a few, and, and our first completely finished campaign. So... We're going to talk about that today. And then, actually, guys, I want you to jump right in. Sometimes we, we beat around the bush and you have things to say that we try to hold till later. Nope, let's not do that. Let's jump right in and, and just give me your thoughts on the entire campaign and make sure it's on the campaign in its entirety. Who wants to go first? I'm going to probably reflect the thing you said at the end or right before the very end of the game of was this a Monty Hall campaign? Um, so for folks at home may not, that may not know what that means, the Monty Hall campaign is referring to the game show Let's Make a Deal, where the GM plays the role of Monty Hall and gives out wonderful cash and prizes to his players as contestants. Um, so we had a conversation about that specifically at the last game. So don't want to go into the details of exactly why that was, but... No, no, let's do it. Let's do it? Okay. Yeah. So we're not, uh, we're not holding back anymore, Mike. Not holding back anymore. Okay. So, so the 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 first hour of the last game was uh, was actively spent with myself and Brian, pretty much going through the item list that Brian had compiled before the game and distributing items strategically. Uh, essentially, the, the this list of items was the treasure hoard we had we had compiled over the entirety of the game, um, thanks hey. in part to Dusty's new treasure roller. Which is awesome. Which is very awesome, and you should check it out at RPGLessonsLearned.com. Is that the? Is that it? Yeah, it I is. got it. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, well, actually, the, the the treasure roller is at Destinian.com. Oh, Destinian.com. Oh, Eventually, Brian. Yeah. RPGLessonsLearned.com will have its own website, and I can do things like put the treasure roller. Yeah, you can. I just need to do it eventually. <laughs> my but, bad. But for now, Destinian.com. Dustin and then Ian all mushed together. Destinian is my first name. Dot com. So one reason that we had all of these lavish uh, treasures is, in my mind, because we've been playing each individual game almost as a one-shot and almost yep. forgetting the stuff that we accrued over the last games that came yeah, before. you've done a bad job of spending your treasure as you went. Yeah, yeah we, re- no. we really did. We really so did. You just saved it to the end. And and that's great feedback, Mike, on, the, on you're right. Every session, it was a crap ton of loot. But I'll point out, for those at home, we use the rules yes. right out of the beginner box. So the beginner box has great treasure rules where there's there's minor treasures and there's major treasures and there's dice tables to figure all that out. And, and like every monster has, you know, treasure, one minor treasure, two minor treasures, one major treasure, three major treasures. So that just means that for that monster, you roll three times on the on the major or two times on the minor or whatever. And I made a roller to automate that for us after we spent the better part of a session one time just rolling up treasure because of how much you guys had gotten. So by the book, by the rules, by the monsters you had killed, yeah, you collected a crap ton of treasure. And at the end, 
You just bought a t- you bought your way out of the boss fight. No, we, we really, really did. did. We really you 100% did. You one hundred percent purchased your way out of that fight. I-, I think the most memorable part of that that fight, and I say memorable because now I can't remember if it was Chris or Nathan who said it, but but someone had left the room right when the boss fight had started and had to come back. They got a text message or something, and when they came back, they uh, someone had just hit the final boss, and you you said you know that's more points, blah blah blah. And, you know, they, they did the math in their head and they were like, have we really already taken 20 points off this boss? And I was like, yeah, between me and Brian and the, the wand of, uh, like excruciating pain or whatever it was, yeah, the, the, that did like 13 points itself. Like, like that one item did like a third of the boss's total hit points. So, so yeah. good, good feedback. So Monty Hall campaign, Brian, any, any thoughts of your own or you want to add to that? Uh, I mean, just in, in general across the entire campaign. Yeah. So, so I'll say when I started off. I didn't really fathom how long we would be doing this campaign. I didn't really um, dedicate myself to the character or, or his backstory like I could have or should have. So I, it took me a while to actually feel the character, and I just completely took him in an entirely different direction that had nothing to do with the backstory that I was provided. Which is great. Yeah, but I mean, the RP, yes, there was a lot of RPing, but you know, I kind of turned him into like something of a... Yeah, he's lecherous. I guess is a, a way to put it. He, uh, he he was he was done with social decorum. Yes, social decorum in his mind was a waste yep. of time. Yes. So let's talk about. You talked before about your your how you eventually inhabited Ezrin as a character, but I want to dig in on more on what you just said about it took you a while to to at first you could have invested more. What's your takeaway for next time we do a campaign? I think I have grown a lot as a player over this campaign. I think when it comes to how seriously I take it, and I think the podcast has a lot to do with it, uh, but I, we described before, I would do a lot of intuiting my way through a game and through a system or through a campaign, and it would split my attention between other things. But I think this campaign is when I really started to take things more seriously, but it wasn't the case for the first few games of the campaign. I think you're more into your character at this point than Mike is into his. I would agree with oh, that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think Mike really... Mike, do you care about Kyra? Really? Absolutely not. No, I, I was going to make two two comments. As much as Brian has grown into his character, I grew out of mine. Like, I, oh, I kind of yeah. stopped caring about Kyra and, and playing that 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 paladin always justice always right role well, cleric but yeah oh yeah but but in that in that in that justice you know can do no wrong mindset you you went back to playing what you always do a cop cop, which is a cop. A cop. <laughs> yeah no i did i did you're you're like you always wind up playing the local cop like the like like not fbi or anything but no. like like the local cop that's just seen too much and and is tired of you know, why are you going to lie to me? Like, he's just world weary and has seen all this stuff before. And that's just that that's the role that you inhabit. Maybe I should have been a cop. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, no, I, I, I completely I, I completely cop to that. <laughs> um, no, I, I absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know exactly what it was that started separating me from Kyra. If I had to put my finger on it, I think I felt like I was starting to conflict with the party. And some of that, some of that conflict between myself and Nathan's character, I think, I think I started getting a little weary of that. I felt like it was almost inhibiting the game. Interesting. So Nathan running the thieves guild, and you being a noble paladin, it, it was too much. What's like cognitive dissonance? Yeah. So you just you just disengaged from Kyra. 
Unfortunately, yeah. Now that is interesting to me. Yeah. I don't even know how to dig in on that except for maybe to say that we should make sure that our that our all of our their, our characters are much more aligned next time. Like I, I really like the idea of kind of an ensemble cast, dirty dozen different backgrounds for yeah. for this Pathfinder campaign. But for our next campaign, while we have different backgrounds, we should have very, very, very aligned goals, even in the individual character development goals. And even beyond that, I think we need to have sort of a defined scope of what we think the the game will look like. Do we see this next campaign going five games, ten games, twenty games? Yeah, I, I put That's that a good point. Yeah, I think it's a, about a dozen sessions. Okay, no, no, I'm sorry, it's eight. It's exactly eight sessions. Okay, so I, I've already planned out what I think the sessions are. We could go more than that when we get into the boss fight stuff. But right now I have eight sessions planned for this next miniature campaign. What do you think about the miniature campaign idea in general? I like it. Um, Our RPG career started on a really long campaign that never ended. Yep. And then for like a year and a half, two years. Nothing but one shots. Nothing but one shots. Yep. And then this was our first like in the middle thing. How was it? I like it. So, so my direct feedback on that is just at about the time I started feeling burnt out on my character and the, the location and the storyline and even the game system itself, it, it just lined up perfectly. So I don't think I would have had any interest in extending this campaign past the 17th session that we did. I think it ended at just the right time because I was starting to get a little, a little burnt out on on this campaign yeah so i i got a little burned out on my character to begin with then i sort of played him off as like a 55 year old ferris bueller is sort of how i pictured him in a way so if with that sort of uh devil may care attitude plus a lot of just sort of being like you know weary from just all the everything he's gone through the disappointment of never really making it i just decided that i'm gonna have fun with it and i really really actually enjoyed uh, playing Ezrin way more in the uh, latter half of the of the campaign than I did the, the the first part. So let's talk about the quality of the overall story that we wound up telling through through all seventeen episodes. If our campaign was a show, was a limited run miniseries with seventeen episodes, would you watch it? Nope. That's that's a hard question. Like, would I be engaged and biting at the chomp to watch the next episode? Probably not. But I put it on in the background when I'm playing video games or cleaning house or whatever. Nope. Yeah, yeah I would. Tell me why not, Brian. Because, I again, I, I don't think that, especially me, in the beginning, I didn't take as much care with my character. Mike grew tired of his character. While I enjoy playing with Nathan, I think I w- his character would probably grate on my nerves if I were watching it in a TV series. You know, Chris... I don't have a problem with Chris's character so much, other than I just don't think Chris had the same love for this character than he that he has had in the past for other characters. It, it just never quite gelled as far as um, a story or storyline, but as a game, I, I really did enjoy it. Yeah, my follow-up question was going to be, was this campaign a good use of your time as a player? Absolutely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I really like the system. I learned a lot. Uh, again, it was a chance to, um, okay. So with the business ethos that we tune into with, with the show, I remember giving feedback to one of my direct reports a couple years ago. And I said to this person that the very wise advice of sometimes you have to eat a crap sandwich. <laughs> and 
you know, I'm feeling great about the game that no, I no, ran. No, 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 no. <laughs> there was a delicious layer of mozzarella cheese on the crab sandwich. I, that I, I did not like Ezrin to begin with. I just the, like I didn't like the idea of playing a character that was written uh, written for yeah, me. This is a theme that you've talked about in several yeah. episodes about this campaign. But then I thought I got I got into it. I'm like, you know, this is the character I have. I might as well enjoy it. And I really did in the end. So accepting limitations ultimately yes, you, you, absolutely. you can get there. Yeah. And okay. and in a way that isn't that what art is? Yeah, limitations accepting them and, and and transcending them. Yeah. But you can't transcend until you accept. Exactly. All right, fair enough. Um player agency. Let's talk about that. So one of my this campaign changed a lot, guys. In the first session, I, I the first session was was the dungeon that was included in the beginner box. So so Black Fang's dungeon. And then that was a great session, lots of you know there was a trap. There was a puzzle. There was there was lots of combat. It, it it was interesting. So a very well done dungeon that we enjoyed, I think. But after that, I sent some emails to you guys where I'm like, okay, what are your characters' goals? I really wanted the whole campaign to be driven by your characters and what they wanted to do. And none of you bit. <laughs> <laughs> We're bad at homework. None of you bit. So I just started throwing adventures at you, and we kind of we, we we did ultimately find our way into you guys making decisions um, that were not what I had planned, and I tried to be reactive to that. Did you feel like session to session, your decisions as players were really changing the game? I felt you were accommodating. Whether they were changing, I don't know. I'm thinking back specifically to the game when we what faced vampires in yeah. in the graveyard. Yes. Mm-hmm. And our solution was to get the sarcophagi was to uh, hitch them to horses. Yeah, you did. You did the John Carpenter's vampires thing, and you you winched the vampires yeah. out of the crypt and into the sunlight to destroy them. Yes. Yeah, and I I don't I I mean I don't know if you had a, a specific idea of how we were going to handle that or not. So that was within a session, and within a session, yeah, I I made it a point to if you thought your way past a combat and that would totally work, then fine. But I'm talking about session to session, like the next adventure being different. The way uh, uh, Merciel, uh, not Merciel, sorry, I always get them confused. The way Shalalu treated you, session to session, driven by your choices. I felt that the way, she, not to, as far as a theme across the whole uh, yep. campaign, I felt that Shalalu as a character was probably the the best, richest character in the game because I felt that. She responded appropriately. She had yeah. she had some level of disdain for us, but there was hidden, deep, dark, like a begrudging admiration. Maybe, hopefully, you know. I I think that's fair. There was so, um, probably some envy. You think so? Oh yeah. I mean, she's got to follow the rules. We did her job for her. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. I was just, you know, standing around looking sexy as a level four wizard, <laughs> as, as they are prone to do. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, I would actually say that I, I think you did an excellent job with Shalilu of of having her be that that agent of change. Um. So I think, I think from the most change we saw from our characters, we saw it in Shalilu. I wouldn't say on the greater world. Except for the uh, the the fallout of Nathan's crime syndicate, well, and, and the courtroom drama, and the courtroom drama. I think there were a lot of times you had to bend over backwards to make make the crime syndicate kind of make sense 
and then also at the same time to kind of limit the impact that he could have on the town with that crime syndicate. I don't think the crime syndicate really worked. I, I agree. I don't think it worked, but I, I, I think Dusty did a good job so of, Nathan's of character, limiting it. A, a, a thief, uh, a rogue, wound up in charge of the local chapter, the fledgling local chapter of the Thieves Guild. And he wound up having a, a pr- pr- pretty small, very manageable gang of Teamsters. And to me, Brian, ultimately I agree with you. In a, in a lot of ways, it didn't work. I liked experimenting with it. Absolutely. Yeah. I loved experimenting with it. It didn't ultimately work for a couple of reasons, but I tried it because I've always seen the follower rules in different versions of D&D and, and D20 games and never actually used them, never actually used the hirelings rules. So having some hirelings help you out from time to time is perfectly in keeping with the history of the Absolutely. game. And just for those of you at home, one thing that we, I don't think we've ever talked about, when we started playing years ago, Brian, do you remember what you told me you wanted to experience? Oh, God, no. You asked for, I said, what, what all do you want What all do you want out of, out of these games, Brian? And you said, and I quote, I want to experience all the D&D tropes. Uh, yeah, I did say that. Yep. So hirelings is a D&D trope that we got to experience thanks to Thanks to the the fledgling chapter, local chapter of the, of the of the thieves guild, and I don't think it didn't work because of Nathan or any anything like that. I think that it won. It was only Nathan who was doing anything at all with it. So yeah, it was yeah. kind of, it was kind of like he was RPing with himself. Yeah, I wanted to get to a point where Kyra had followers and where you started that church. Yeah, where you were trying to really preach the word of Saren Ray. Yeah, in this town that was devoted to the the other god. Whoever that was, yeah. Um, I really wanted Kyra to gain this following of of a network of people that she could use, but we just never hit on that. Yeah, we we only revisited that a couple of times. It was, it was just a couple of really quick RP sessions of saying, "Okay, what have you been doing in this time since the last game?" And I was like, "Well, I'm running my church. The kid of what's his name has been has been coming to my my classes in the garden, and then well, that was kind of it." Yeah. So in, so in in a way, in a way, um, Ezrin kind of played or wanted to play the, as a follower of Ilsori Gandithus. Yeah. Like uh, I tried to play this kind of almost hero worship, but also in a way that I tried to cover up my faults and my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I really enjoyed that. I that was one of my favorite did things. Did I play up to that as much as you would have liked, or did I not play? Up I to think it? you did. I think you did. You were just right. Okay. I I. I you didn't. You didn't uh, play into it. And I was trying to play Elsora, where he recognized what Ezrin was. Yes, was, exactly. was feeling, and he was trying to overlook it. Yes, while Ezrin matured. Exactly, and that's exactly uh, that's exactly how I wanted you to play it. Okay, perfect. So let's talk about. We, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but continuity. Did this? Did these seventeen sessions feel like one narrative? Um, let, let me use a TV TV parlance. Did this feel like a miniseries? Where one episode really led into the next, like like a Netflix season of, of of a Marvel show, or did it feel like a season of of you know a sitcom where at the end of every episode you're kind of back to center, and the episodes can really be played in any order? I would say on and off. There were definitely a couple episodes that flowed directly into each other, and I think what was more important was there were there were games that made callbacks to previous events that happened earlier in the game. Um, but with that also being said, I think the point where we did the, you know, we would do the, 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 the Kyra episode and then we would do the, the, the Ezrin episode. I think those kind of 
th- those are basically on and off switches, right? We would we would start with it with, you know, this is what happened has happened to you since our last game. And then that would kind of go into its own little storyline and we would resolve it. Yeah, those episodes that I focused on your individual characters, I don't know if I would do that again. That was that was very early on. And I was still trying to get your individual goals so that I could tailor a game around what you want. I mean, I was literally looking for, you know what, Dusty? We want to take over this town. Or you know what? We want to book it and go to a bigger city. Or you know what? We want to knock over a bank. Like, I was looking for, like, what what did you even want to do? What did your character, what, what crazy stuff did you want to go after? And with those individual games... I was trying, like, after the email didn't work and you guys didn't come back with anything, the individual sessions were trying to pull that out of you. I was trying to, I was trying to develop your characters or help you develop your characters so that I could get some crazy goals, and we never got there. So is it wrong if I mention just very briefly that you gave us the opportunity to sort of do a postscript for each of our characters? I'm, I, I don't, I'm not going to go into mine, but I, I'll say this. In my mind, I, and I didn't go into this with my postscript, in my mind, I could have easily, I could easily see our characters basically taking after what happened. The acclaim isn't probably the right word, but I think the show of power potentially. I think we probably could have let that go to our heads and actually try to take over the town, which I think could have been a lot of fun. So, are you saying that you would like? Okay, let, let, let me let me ask the the let me let me skip ahead to the conclusion question. Do you feel like the game is over? And clearly not. You think there's more story there? Oh, absolutely, the absolutely. I think I think that there's I think there's way See, more. That, that disappoints me. I was really looking for that note of finality, where the movie ends and you're like, yes, I don't want to see that character anymore. That was perfect. I, I don't I I I don't experience that. Rarely do I experience that. I was gonna say yes. I feel it's over until Brian mentioned the whole taking the over town thing, and then I immediately thought. Kyra could replace Shalalu as the the town guard. Yes. And make Shalalu my underling and be like, no, see, this is how you run a town. This is how you do it. And Ezrin would want to become like the new uh, master of Elsori Gendi. This is. Did we just discover our campaign after next? I hope so. This is how you believe people when they say, hey, these people are following me around town trying to kill me and they have a black dragon tattoo on their arm. Sorry. Yeah, you were burnt up. I'm still bitter on that. (laughs) I was so proud of that. I was so proud of of the last, gosh, four or five sessions where I teased, you know, the Black Dragon being Black Fang's mom, and then Black Fang's mom shows up for revenge, and that that was all me. None of that was in the beginner box. No, yeah. I mean, Black Fang was, but Black Fang's mom and and, and, and all of her followers that had the tattoo, that, that was me trying to build up to a to a big bad so we we had an anti-party in the next to last game you did i could almost see in the future us playing an anti-party game but we are the anti-party against our old characters who have taken over the town ha that that could be i tried that did you do you not remember that i tried that was that in the old four in the four yeah yes absolutely Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 And, and and you just, you weren't interested. Well, I didn't want to kill like you know my. You character. didn't want to kill Malkior because yeah. you loved Malkior. I did. I, I mean, yeah, I really, he, I, I really liked that character. All right, um, let's talk about depth. Was there enough content? So I ran this whole campaign using nothing but beginner box monsters, nothing but beginner box mechanics and rules. You guys used nothing but beginner box, you know, leveling up the, those four basic classes and races. Was there enough depth in the beginner box 
to carry a 17 session campaign. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to have a creative GM who can craft, you know, camp uh, ca- flattery who, will get you nowhere. Brian. You have to have a creative <laughs> GM who can craft, you know, uh, adventures. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I would absolutely agree with that. I, I would say so if, nothing felt repetitive. So, so, nothing felt. Okay, let, let me, let me, let me, real quick go back to this. You know as well as I do that there are GMs out there who have to read an adventure that yeah. somebody else has written. Yep. And if you are, if you're the kind, of, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, no, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you can't run a game that you come up with and craft yourself, that's okay. You, the beginner box may not be for you. Or this style of, you know, campaign. But, I mean, realistically, yeah, the way that we play, it was absolutely uh, enough to sustain ourselves for over 17 adventures. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Location, characters, enemies. I mean, it was it was all there, all the abilities, all the spells we needed, um, all of that. Now, Now, actually, the one thing I will say is in the hero's guide for the beginner's box some of the spell information is limited um so there were a few times we wound up having to refer to several the full times players box uh, over player and box, over uh, to players to, book to, to the srd online or the core rule book or the yeah. core rule book to get those spell details but if you're okay with not having a few super limited magic yeah things, we, we could have winged it and been yeah, fine we could have we could have just kind of ruled it ourselves and carried on yeah i hope my wife doesn't hear this episode because for me one of the big things that i learned is with with very limited content very limited amount of stuff to to quote unquote buy you can run a heck of a long campaign like guys there are monsters in that box that you never fought she's gonna take all your stuff to goodwill i know (laughs) (laughs) all you need is two books and some pens and paper and dice this all this stuff's going away um no but yeah with, with with for me, the limited content, it was a challenge to keep things fresh for you. But but for me, it was it was a pretty easy challenge. It was cracking open. And there were a lot of monsters in that in that box, and all the pawns are in there. It's 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 awesome. So for me, the challenge is how can I take these monsters and actually make it fit the next step of the story. So, gosh, the next toughest monsters to fight are orcs. Gosh, now we need to fight some supernatural stuff like werewolves and and. But I, I found ways to shoehorn them in, and I don't think you guys noticed that it was a total shoehorn of me trying to fit in all these monsters. Mm-mm. And it was, and it felt like a lot of variety. You fought undead, you fought orcs and goblins, you fought lots of different stuff. So, lots it, of people, lots of. So, I guess sort of. I was going to ask, you know, if elementals. It, yeah, I was going to ask if you thought it was hard to build an entire campaign around this. It doesn't sound like it was. So do you feel? Do you feel that it would be hard? to try to use every single monster and every single aspect that this actually provides you in a campaign. No, I mean, if we'd have played a couple more sessions, I would have gotten to the couple of monsters that you didn't fight. Like, you didn't fight the giant centipede, and there are a couple, I mean, literally, it's it's just, it's a couple. Out of the whole beginner box, it's probably like three monsters okay. that you didn't fight. So it, it would have been pretty easy to incorporate those. Um so no, and and we could have even gone back and done some more goblins and had a whole goblin subplot for sessions and sessions and sessions. We could have played a lot more than 17 sessions out of this box. So I, I think, no association with Paizo, right? I think of the beginner boxes that I've purchased. This includes the 4E Red Box, the 5E uh, Lost Minds of Fendelver. I think the Pathfinder beginner box has been the best mm. because in, in Fendelver, and in, in the 5E beginner box, you can't roll characters. Right. You can make characters and level characters up up to five. 
Yeah. Up to level five in the Pathfinder beginner box. It is, and it has the pawns. It is the most complete beginner box experience of all the quick start sets that I've bought. So let's say I'm maybe not a super creative GM, but I want to run the beginner box. And then I, I run the beginner box and I exhaust the content that's available in there. How hard would it be for me as a not creative GM to maybe find other Pathfinder content and just retrofit it back into the beginner box? Oh, easy, box? dude, easy. Okay. okay. So again, not trying to advertise for, for Paizo, but here's stuff that I didn't do that I could have done. So number one, there's a whole section of, of, of plot hooks in the GM guide in the beginner box. Like, there's a whole section of those that I did not run. So I could have run all those using the monsters from the beginner box with those hooks. All I would have needed to do is find maps and you can find those online pretty, pretty easily, you know, access to a printer, break them up, you know, print them out or just, just buy a bunch of maps. Um, or, or heck do theater of the mind. Yeah. 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 But, uh, all you need are maps. However, here's something I didn't do. So I, I didn't do those hooks. Also on the Paizo website, they have a bunch of, I think they're called, beginner box bash bashes and there's like two or three of those with two or three adventures each so somewhere between six and nine more adventures with with you know the maps laid out and everything monsters encounters on the paizo website for free to expand the beginner box there's so much content from paizo so much content that we could have done a lot more with this had we chosen to i wanted to ignore that purposefully because I wanted you guys to lead the campaign. Sorry about that. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> hey, we, 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 we learned, right? Hey, so is it, do we want to talk about a couple other things that we tried in the campaign, specifically mechanically? Sure. Like, well, like what we did roll 20 for a couple of games. We did. Yeah. And that was something that we tried and it didn't really work out for yeah, us. Yeah, it didn't work for us. Um, I probably could spend more time with roll 20 and make it work because my God, there's no shortage of people that make Roll20 work excellently for them. But I just found it to be, I mean, adding this layer of digitalness yeah. to it, I it, it, it changed something fundamentally that I love about the, the analog tabletop thing. And we also tried to do Roll20 with all of us in the room together and then one person remote. Yeah, and that didn't work great either. Yeah. yeah. So that's why the, our next campaign is, is, is a much more theater of the mind thing. I would actually like to try to run that completely over Skype. Like, let's just all go home on our individual computers, get some headphones on, and let's just all try to Skype because it's all theater of the mind. I'd be up for that. I would definitely be up for that. We can record it. I at least want to try it. It might not work great, but I at least want to try it for the first session or two. My only concern with that is interruptions in the home. So we'll have to find a way to deal with that. Yeah, I've got a five-year-old. And Chris has baby, and I've, I've got a noisy bird (laughs) (laughs) um you know what we'll try it because i want to keep trying new stuff yep um do you want to do a start stop or is there more mechanics you want to talk about brian uh not really i other than to say this was our first experience with pathfinder and again i i give pathfinder thumbs up yep 10 10 would find again based on the beginner box all right um start stop continue let's do that real quick and actually, you know what? Let's not do start, stop, continue. Let's do this instead. Brian, if you could go back in time and tell Dusty 17 sessions ago one piece of advice, what would it be? And if you could tell Brian 17 sessions ago one piece of advice, what would it be? Don't always listen. I would tell Dusty to not always listen to what his 
players want to do. Follow your gut more. Follow my gut. Yes, follow your gut more. Um, so, so I, I'm sorry. I need more there. So, I, I think again, you try. I think you tried to maybe cater to us a little too much. And not that I, not that I don't appreciate it, but I think that sometimes you could be not more prescriptive in exactly in exactly how we engage, but you could probably be more forceful in. Like again, you kept asking where do, where do you want your character to go? What do you want your character to be? What what, what do you guys want to do? Do you guys want to like every single time? It was every single time we, we you did something that we said we wanted to do, like the uh, courtroom drama, or you know, do something with our character, like me with Tedrin, <laughs> which is the name of uh, Ezrin's father that we gave him. We didn't do anything with it. It's it's I don't think that we had the same passion for what we created that you have for the passion for what you create so you're saying that you're you're showing up to experience my story our story our story yeah let but well the our story thing is what i was trying to do yeah but what i'm hearing (laughs) but what i'm hearing you say right now is i think i don't want to make a story i I think i think think you provide the framework and we finish it out i think that's fair yeah instead of us instead of us trying to provide too much of the framework to set the narrative yeah yeah all right that's interesting all right how about your feedback to brian um take it more seriously and realize you're going to be playing this character over 17 adventures. <laughs> okay. So, so engage more seriously early on. Yeah. I think that's a really good lesson learned, Brian, that we didn't talk about beforehand is it's, it's so important at the start of a campaign to take things seriously because when you, if you start really serious, it's okay to play it by ear and let a few jokes creep in <clears throat> and to break the tension. But if you start like a, like a Marx brothers movie, then it's really tough to make it serious. It's really tough to make it serious. You can have comedic beats and a really horrific drama because because that's, that's, that's real. But having really horrible beats in a comedy does not work well. I want our next campaign to take place in Fredonia. Just saying. All right. Duck soup it is. <laughs> so, all right, Mike, same question. Um, advice I- to pass Dusty and advice to pass Mike. Advice to pass Dusty is don't trust these guys to do their homework. Advice to pass Mike is do your homework. <laughs> so I feel that later on, I got way better with homework. Later on, not initially. Why? Because you saw that it would pay off? One, I saw that you were working really hard, and I don't think we gave you your due respect by yep. doing the homework. Yep. And it pays off, yeah. I agree with both of those. So, Mike, you're, you're, you're two diametrically opposed pieces of advice. Does that mean that you're going to do a bunch of homework next campaign? I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. All right. I'm going to sum things up here. And, and really, I want to sum it up like this. What you just heard, folks at home, is this campaign was sloppy. <laughs> I started out with one vision and had to quickly adapt to not getting the input that I hoped for. We picked up threads like we didn't even talk about that for a couple of sessions, um, Valeros was infected with vampirism. And I was giving Chris a chance to explore what if he wanted to be a vampire for, for, for the rest of the rest of the campaign. And he just didn't care. So we just kind of dropped that. Um, it was a really messy campaign. Sorry, go so ahead, Mike. I actually have to say something to that. I, I think that, again, might have been my character's influence on his decision because I was putting down heavy. Dude... I'm a cleric. If you become a vampire, I have to kill you. Just, just saying. I, I put that out there. Like, and I really enjoyed that tension. 
Yeah. I, I didn't, at the, at the table, in the moment, as you were saying that, I was juiced. Like, here's great dramatic tension. These two players love each other. These two players are best of friends. But the characters have tension. Yeah. And role-playing that is fun. Yeah, it was. So I didn't see that as a problem, but the way you're saying it, how ultimately the cognitive dissonance made you disengage with Kyra, that is super interesting to me. I've got a, I've got a, our next campaign, our East Texas University campaign, you are going to have very aligned goals. Whatever your backgrounds are, you're going to have very aligned goals. I think maybe a lesson for me that we haven't talked about yet, and this is me personally uh, for my character, is that it is okay for my character to do things that may negate the thoughts and actions and feelings of other characters. Me personally, I have a problem having my character do that at the table because I don't want to negate anyone's thoughts or actions, but maybe maybe I need to get over that. Yeah, until someone gets mad, I think it's all drama that we're trying out. Yeah. But to finish my thought, what everyone at, her, at home just heard was a super sloppy campaign where we tried stuff and it didn't work, and we tried other stuff and it didn't work, and ultimately what resulted, you heard Brian's feedback, is a, is a show that we wouldn't watch because it was all over the place and sloppy, but it sure was fun to experience. So GMs who are listening, if you walk out of your session and you're like, my God, that story made no sense, we made terrible dramatic decisions, understand that the difference is, is that your players got to experience your story and take an active part in it. And you heard Brian say, hey, I wouldn't watch the show, but it sure was fun to play. Give yourself permission to experiment, and it'll fall flat on its face, but that's okay. Because you're not writing a tight novel or a tight screenplay. You're running a sloppy RPG campaign. Anything you'd add to that, guys? That sums it up. Yep. All right. RPG lessons learned. Thank you for listening. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned, and we're sharing ours with you.